All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jessica Kleinschmidt. I'm Rachel Luba. Cheers. Um, we have tons to go over, but before we get started, what is the wine word, Rachel? It is, our wine word is qualifying offer. Perfect segue, because guess what we're talking about today? Qualifying offers, among other things. I, at the beginning, like I, it's a weird off season. We know that I feel like I'm going to say that a lot throughout this, uh, recording, but the qualifying offers came out. Uh, Trevor did get one himself. So first let's explain what a qualifying offer is. And you do have to talk about Trevor's qualifying offer situation. So we'll talk about what Trevor, what happened with Trevor and then what happens when it means a player has received a qualifying offer and what a quali- qualifying offer means. Yeah. So, I explained this a little bit in on my YouTube channel um, because I was getting a lot of uh, questions on Twitter about it. People were like, you know, oh my God, why would the Reds do that? That's offensive. Like, you know, he's worth more, things like that. Um, and just to kind of explain. So first of all, they get the number, the number that the qualifying offer is this year, it's 18.9 million. Last year it was 17.8. Uh, it's based on you take the top 125 uh, free agent contracts and you take the average of it. So that's how they come up with the number. And then it was designed in the CBA. It was agreed upon to have the qualifying offer um, in the CBA um, as a way of basically small market teams felt as though that they're at a disadvantage because when they lose a player to free agency, you know, a lot of times they can't compete with big, big market teams who can pay these guys tons of money. And so they're just like, they lose these guys and they're left with nothing. And so what it does is it allows a team to decide whether they want to give a player the qualifying offer right before they hit free agency. And according to the CBA this time, they can only do it. You can only extend a qualifying offer one time to a player in his career. So he can't, you can't do it like every year or whatever. Um, so one time, and it's a one-year deal for that set amount of the top 125 average, you know, free agent contracts. Um, there's no other terms that you can negotiate into it. You know, people are like, well, couldn't they have raised it a little and then offered it to Trevor? No, like it's a set amount. Are you going to offer that amount or not? And it's a one-year deal. Uh, if they don't take it, then you get something in return for losing a qualified free agent, a free agent that you gave the qualifying offer to. And the team that signs him, the player, will have to forfeit something. So it's like this burden that if you give, if you extend a qualifying offer to a player, it's a burden that now the free agent is going to carry because the team that signs him essentially is going to have to, depending on where they are in kind of the baseball market, they're going to lose a certain round draft pick and possibly some international free agent money, uh, bonus money um, in their pool and things like this. And then the, usually the team that the team that loses the um, player to free agency that did offer him a qualifying offer will get a certain draft pick, depending on where they are in the baseball you know, structure, they'll get that in return. So it's like they gain something by losing it. So when a team offers you, you know, the qualifying offer, they're not, 
they're not saying that they actually think you're worth that amount. There's sometimes there's players that are in that kind of level of the market where they might be worth that. You know, there's players that have to consider taking the qualifying offer. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, was it Odorizzi last year? He took the qualifying offer because he felt like, you know, one year that was a fair amount. And then, you know, he'll go on the open market again or whatever. So, but then the other players, you know, like, uh, the Garrett Coles, the world or you know, from previous years, right. It's not like the team actually thought that they were worth that. Um, they were just hoping that because probably lose them to free agency, if they, when they do, they want to get something in return. So it doesn't preclude the team who offers it from actually negotiating a different, you know, structured contract after the fact or anything like that. Um, so the reds in this case can still negotiate with Bauer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of, but this year was, you know, and um, Jess, you and I were talking about this, how this year was like two of the A's guys didn't get qualifying offers. This was, I think like the fewest qualifying offers that were extended in mm-hmm. a long time. So, so when I remember I asked you, so, so for instance, like Hendricks and Simeon didn't get a qualifying offer as an A's fan, if I'm listening to that, what would, what should, what would calm me down knowing that we we're not probably not going to bring Simeon back. Well, maybe I think Simeon could, does have a good chance. I highly doubt Hendricks will when you immediately hear that as a fan. So wasn't it Must- I think it was Mustakis who signed, who rejected a qualifying offer for like 17 something million and then ended up, he thought he would do better on the open market and signed for something. Like he signed for like 8 million back with his former team. Yeah. So he would have been much better off. But so that doesn't mean that the A's aren't going to like, you know, not sign back the players, but what that does mean. And the reality is it means that the A's do not believe that they are worth, they don't want those players it's not worth paying them that amount of money to have them back because if it were, if they thought it were worth it and they might say yes, then no big deal. Like let's offer it. And if they think, yeah, I would love to pay that player that amount, but there's no chance they actually agree and accept it. Then they would still offer it because they would want the draft picks in return. So all it means is that the A's don't value the player as being worth worth that amount. That doesn't mean that they won't get more in the open market or whatever, but that was the the gamble that, that the A's took. Um, and, and so you have 10 days to make the decision whether you want to accept or reject. So a lot of times, especially if you're on the cusp, you know, kind of in that area of the market where who knows if you could do better on the open market and this year's looking kind of grim, at least the teams are trying to make it seem like that. Um, these are the 10 days where you really start to tr- hopefully try to gauge it and make a decision. However, if you're going to reject it, um, this, the typical uh, um, like course of action is you just run out the clock and you just never accept it. So um, obviously this episode, we're recording this before, but the plan is that tomorrow we are going to announce that um, Bauer has rejected the qualifying offer, which mm-hmm. is never done. Like no player ever announces that who knows why it doesn't change your, you know, the yeah. leverage that you have or anything like that. But Bauer looks at it as like, first of all, to be honest, from a player stance, the qualifying offer is ridiculous right. and it's an awful process. It's a bullshit process that, you know, basically hinders players who've already been, you know, like owned at a very cheap 
way under market cost to team by teams for six years, over six years of your, you know, Bauer and some of these other guys. And now they have like this added burden on them. That's going to hurt their value, you know, more in a sense. Um, not guys like Bauer probably won't really affect it, but it's a dumb process. And so he looks at it as like, you know what, I'm just going to come out and reject it and just get the ball moving. So like, he's going to physically tweet. He's rejected it. Well, I'm going to tweet it. Or you're going to tweet it. Okay, cool. And that's, that, that's, what I was going to ask you too, is because that's a rare thing for you or a player to come out and do that. It's like, we're still adjusting to an agent having such an open uh, be yeah. not spoken about it and being upfront. Um, and you mentioned like going out on the open market and it's going to be, and, and we talked about this too, like the terms weird or after an unprecedented season. And we talked about it before and who is filling these players heads with the terms of, Hey, be careful. It's a weird off season. Um, is that something that is really being drilled into players heads right now? Kind of a worry. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, just look at, look at what's happened in the market. I mean, in the first, first of all, you have leading up to the world series, you have teams talking about how they, they, they're putting out statements that they've lost a ton of money as by the way, they're cashing their postseason checks. Um, They're laying people off. They're doing all these things optically, right. To make it seem as though they're, we're in a dark time. They're even talking about possibly how there won't be 162 games played. Um, I think it's absolute bullshit and it's total posturing on behalf of the teams because they're trying to scare players. And it's a great tactic because players, you know, they naturally are going to be, um, they are going to be in a position where they have more to lose, right? You have this looming idea that there might be a lockout next year. You've already lost a lot of money this year and with the abbreviated season. And so now with this idea that you see every, all these options, barely any options were picked up. Um, all these options are declined. Options that weren't even a lot. I mean, you got Mitch Moreland with $3 million, uh, They didn't pick up his option. Like there are a lot of players out there that got released that, you know, didn't have options or didn't have options picked up, et cetera. It's looking scary. And you have agents who, you know, are looking at what, you know, the arbitration market's not looking good, you know, because who knows how we're going to deal with that because we didn't come to an agreement in during quarantine. So now that's going to bite us in the ass. Um, There's just a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of shit right now. So the only one, the only team that seems to be just like talking about how like we're bathing in dollars and, you know, Ben Franklin's or more than that is, are the Mets with their new owner. Yeah. Who's like, yeah, I got money to spend, you know, a shit ton of money. And so I hope, I, he, I hope he has like a good looking son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, if I end up, you know, having a meeting with him, then I'll try to put in a good word for you. A good word. Be like, yeah. I mean, but look, I think it's great for the sport because there's no reason that, uh, it's always beneficial for MLB and for players to have, uh, to have the New York Mets run by a financially stable, you know, group of people. And that hasn't been like that for a while. That's a big market team. It should operate like one. And it didn't for a while. So it's good. You know, no one expects, you know, uh, the Kansas city Royals to operate like a big market team, but they expect the Mets to, and you know, they're in New York city. There's no reason they shouldn't. So it's good. I'm glad that we're in this position. And what about the fans factor? Cause we don't know if 
teams are going to have 30, 40 percent capacity. California may not be any fans at the beginning or at all. So what how would that go into a player's willingness to want to sign for a team? I assume it would be good because that that's obviously monetary value because there's like 30, 40 percent go to from season ticket holders and stuff like that. Obviously, you want the fandom there because that look at Felix Hernandez uh, in at um, Safeco, like when he's pitching at Safeco, that's a big deal. And, and the player or the fans are behind him. So how much of a factor would that go into a client? I mean, yeah, it's going to be obviously something like if you're on the free agent market that um, you'll consider, but I mean, it's hard to even know right now. I think we're going to have to see what happens with the election, which we agreed we are not even talking about, but look like a lot, a lot, we're going to find out a lot in the next couple months. Um, my guess is that maybe with the exception of California, because who knows what California does and yeah. they're always just, I don't, I can't stand it, but, um, it's election night, be careful when you talk about anything, California, just be careful. Yeah. Well. <laughs> whatever. Um, the, I personally think like at the end of the day, all of these owners want to make money. And, you know, we saw that when there was the looming, like this possibility that we won't even have a postseason. Remember I told like, first of all, there's a possibility we wouldn't have a season. I told you that I told people in April, as I put it on YouTube, I was like, there's going to be a 60 game season because owners, why they want their postseason money. And that's, that's the way to get it. And then people are like, when it started out, when all these COVID positive COVID-19 like tests and people are like, we might not even get there the first two weeks of season. And I was like, no, 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 we will. Don't worry. There will be a postseason. And then people are worried, you know, like what's going to happen with, with the postseason. And look, I also said, I was like, I predicted, I was like, there, there will be no positive tests during the world series. But of course, like there's one that conveniently came out at the end. Right. Um, I don't believe that that was the only one they were in a bubble, quote yeah. unquote, which even, obviously not so much of a bubble because somehow it got in. They weren't yeah. like a true bubble like the NBA and NHL. And if if it really was a bubble and whatever, and somehow it got in, uh, lots of people would have gotten it. This is apparent like, you know, such a, you know, it can spread so easily this virus. And so we don't think that anybody else got it. Like the whole thing is at the end of the day, it's a business and that's what comes first for, you know, baseball. And so there, I think there are going to be 162 games. They're going to find ways to have fans. They're going to get creative. They have, there's no pressure right now. It's not like during quarantine where, you know, we're under pressure to try to get something going and a virus and all this, they have time to get now creative and think of ways to make money. I think, but they're going to try and they're already doing it to scare players into thinking they don't have another choice. Take yeah. what you can get. Like you're a beggar, all of you. And couldn't that be kind of used in a player's advantage? Because I was talking to Feinstein about it and I was like, hey, what do you think? Say, I love Feinstein. Yeah, he's great. What do you think like somebody like Marcus Simeon would be worth, right? And he said, not just from a Simeon's perspective, because that's a good question. I have no idea what Simeon could be worth, but what would this XYZ player be worth in this type of market? Technically, we don't know. We've never set, seen this before. So a player could kind of say, fuck you. We don't know. We've never seen this before. So you can't use that excuse against me. Sure. But they're, so, I mean, mostly they're, they can't use that. It, or uh, I guess the only way that you could debunk that argument um, is you could basically debunk any sort of like 
if they give you a concrete number of this is what you're worth in this environment, you can say, no, I'm worth this. And there's no way for them to prove you're wrong and you're worth what they say, because again, it's like, this is a whole new space that nobody's ever been in. Like you can't compare this. You, you, you can't, you're just guessing as much as the player is, but you can't like, you can't just say, Oh, you can't use that argument that I'm not worth, you know, the the normal amount because we've never seen this before like the reality is you're you might have a lesser value because of the environment that's yeah. the reality now what that exact number is you could speculate one way or the other and you could say that that speculation is you know baseless and is just you pulled it out of your ass basically because again we yeah we have nothing to compare it to interesting and i I guess another question that I have is for winter meetings, owners meetings, everything's going to be remote and you've been to winter meetings before. How do you think that's going to go in a week? Like we already have a bunch going on, but how are, how are you anticipating stuff remotely going during those meetings? Um, I mean, just in terms of, I mean, you can't mingle, you can't network, you can't. And I know that's a big part of it. So how, how is that going to work when everything's via like zoom? Yeah. It's just going to be a lot less of a, it's going to be more just business matter of fact, like we're not going to be at a bar, you know, having drinks and chatting and like, you know, Hey, what about, you know, maybe like, have you thought about this player? That really um, sucks because that's how I thrive. But that's how, that's, yeah, I thrive like that too. I love winter meetings. I'm like, one of the only women there and it's just like you know five million dudes and so like the ratios in my favor like I, said, I thrive there I thrive um no but if you want to blend in and you're me it's a tough scene um yeah. I, yeah and so you know whatever it is what it is but um look it's gonna be hard it's gonna be different like it's not as casual it's a it's gonna be a lot more you know business like and you know you schedule hey like let's have a zoom call and you know you shoot the shit over your spotty wi-fi at home and yeah i made the joke like everybody's gonna hear like my next door neighbor here like the lawnmower going off at like 10 30 on a Wednesday after like morning like what are you doing dude like really now you want to mow the lawn Does after five work? weeks of your wife asking you to do it now you want to do it he doesn't work no everybody's working from home so I'm assuming oh taking that, a break and that's true doing that what a time to mow the lawn what a time what a time so I guess we could talk about how the media is handling a lot of the stuff um it's my first like full throttle free agency season, I still don't a hundred percent know what I'm doing. So as an agent, what are you looking for when you're going through media stuff? Uh, Cause for, for me, all it takes is one little baby rumor and I can go for it. I do like when people not necessarily speculate, but even earlier I was talking to fine sand and you know, the whole Trevor Bauer going to the giants thing is, is blowing up because of your connection. Or wanting, wanting him oh yeah wanting him to play for the Giants because you're a Giants fan it's like a love big it. I love all the like it's so yeah. funny to me how like I spend a good amount of time in I've spent a good amount of time in San Diego my brother who was living up in San Francisco just bought a condo like right on the water in San Diego and I've been down there people are like you know with Clev and then Rachel's connection there it's like San Diego's spot yeah. 
Um, I've got family from Boston. It's yes. suddenly all these funny connections are like, yeah, it's happening. That's where but they're think, think about it this way from a geeky baseball perspective, you spread it out. Right. So it's like, okay, cool. There's that little, I mean, I I'm whatever about it. I know that you would jokingly love for him to play for the giants, but Feinstein made some good points. Like, um, if, you know, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks take a step back, the Giants could maybe slide in there and, and, and make it interesting for the NL West. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an interesting scenario. And you can write off of that. So how far is too far for maybe speculation? And I guess that would be a bit more like case by case, but how much is too much of a stretch for you in the media? So, I mean, they're like, te- or technically it, it's all, a stretch and you guys are all pulling shit out of your ass yeah. and like nothing you guys say like you guys could be spot on but you're only spot on because like you just you know you just you have <laughs> Yeah, but like you, you're spot on because you got lucky and yeah, you looked at all the different competing factors and you said this is where I think it is. But like, there's you, well, if I write thirty articles, one of them right, like one right. of them is going to be right. Yeah. Although, I mean, you know, Trevor did talk about Japan, so you might want to add in those teams too. I don't know, but like at the end of the day. <laughs> You guys are all, and that was what kind of Trevor wanted to make clear in his tweet, by the way, he tweets. So I'm in San Diego about to go catch a flight. I'm talking to uh, my brother and his girlfriend and we're sitting at, uh, we're sitting at the table, like drinking coffee or something. And my phone just starts like buzzing, like crazy. Like, you know, sometimes, sometimes your phone, something happens and it's like, it just freaks out and yeah. it starts vibrating. That's what I thought was happening. Well, first I thought someone was calling me Then it was like too many vibrates and then vibrations. And then I was like, looking like, is something wrong with my phone? Like, is it overheating? Yeah. I like look at it and I open it and I'm so confused. I see nothing. And then I like think for a sec, I opened Twitter and three minutes before Bauer had tweeted out that, you know, free agency has begun because yeah. it was the morning after the world series. Um, if you guys want any updates, you need to follow out agent Rachel Luba. Cause she's the only one that's going to be giving out information and anything else you see on social media is all speculation. And you know, it means nothing. And within, within three minutes of tweeting out, I already had over a thousand followers just yeah. from, and then I think within the last like week I've gone up like almost 20,000 followers from, yeah. from that. Um, so, but like Trevor has made, He's made that clear um, that, you know, he wants to, it's very on brand for Bauer. Um, he has, you know, because of being burned in the past so many times and being inaccurately, um, you know, just kind of portrayed by the media, he's decided to take matters into his own, own hands. He created his own media company, et cetera. Yeah. So for him to want to control this narrative, it's very on brand, but he wants to make the point that, you know, he also believes that agents can create their own platforms to disseminate information and they don't need to rely solely on writers. I do believe writers serve a purpose for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, you know, taken the stance that that's where, he wants everyone to know that anything you read from writers, anything that does not come directly from at agent Rachel Luba is pure speculation with no better, uh, you know, Intel than, you know, Joe Schmo, the fan in North Dakota. Yeah. Good to know. 
So <laughs> was that like soul crushing? I, I was on a call like last night, super late. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I had to call this late from with this writer, but just asking me, you know, so like, what, what do I got? And I was like, you're going to hate this, but like, I'm just telling you how it's going to be. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm not, we're not going to talk to you guys. Like it's going to come through me. Well, I guess I just don't know how it works. And that's maybe that's why I haven't moved up super, super quickly in my career. Cause I just, no, I don't get off on that. I just, I know. It's, I, I just don't get off on that shit. So I, I don't know how it would work. They just like say, Hey, do they kiss your ass a bunch? Like, I don't know how it works. Well, so there's some that, you know, have that, that day try to create a good relationship. And look, I think it's a, it, it's a two-way street and it's, you know, mutually beneficial relationship with, you know, a lot of writers. So yeah. I get value from it too, but there are other writers that are just, they're um, like ruthless or like spineless about it. They don't care. They don't even pretend to even, they don't even start a text with like, Hey, Rachel, it's just, I never speak to you ever. And then out of the blue, boom, question, just straight up text me. And I'm like, first of all, one, how'd you get my number? Yeah. Two, um, you didn't, I didn't even get like a, Hey, yeah. (laughs) Call me old school. But like, you know, at least like, at least say hi. Yeah. Like don't be a dick. Like we have, it's, and you know, like, look, I, I hit people like just I'll send people just straight up texts, but like, I'm also their friend or whatever. Right. It's like, for people that like, we don't even speak ever and we're not friends. We don't even pretend to kind of like be friendly acquaintances. And you just hit me with, hit me hard, like out of the blue with a question, like I'm going to answer it. Like, I mean, good luck. So that's how some of them do it. Some of them do, you know, um, there are some where it's like, look, there's an understanding. You help me, I help you. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So there's that. It works that way for sure. Um, and then, you know, I, I think a lot, a lot of them have tried to come, come to me uh, for information. And I kind of tell them the reality that, look, I'm going to listen to my client and this is how he wants to do it if we want to talk about the free agency process with my other clients or whatever, you know, then like I, it, that's a different story, but this is how he wants the process. And so it's how we're going to do it. And I'm sorry. And I know this is a big free agent and it would be apparently so nice for you and your career to be able to break this information, but like, I'm going to do it or Bauer. Love that. So no, it's always been interesting. Cause I don't really go, I mean, I have my sources and stuff, but it's like front office guys and, you know, and it's never really about a player necessarily. A lot of times just like current events and stuff. Well, I feel like with, I mean, with Bauer too, like you would be in a position where I feel like anybody would know anything. It's going to be you. Like we're, we do a podcast together. We're also like, you know, really good friends. So like why, but you guys, so never even nice to me maybe. And (laughs) But you, but you don't ever pressure me, which is like good. And I, I appreciate that part of it. Um, yeah, I don't really care to be honest. Like, I mean, I do. But I, I always, do I you really, guys get paid? You guys get bone? Like I'm confused. Yeah, like I've had writers. If I, like, did, if I did, I definitely would ask. I would get like street cred and like, that's it. But not, I mean, not in my particular situation. I wouldn't, but I also, 
I want to kind of do it on my own. I want to like create stuff by myself as opposed to like throwing, and I would never throw you underneath the bus, but if I had the option, I, I would rather just be like, or I can just start my career and continue my career without being a dick to somebody, you yeah. know, or anything like that. And so, yeah, well, I mean, I have I, the, I just don't really, I just don't care. <laughs> it's cool though. I want, I want both of y'all at the end of the day to be happy. And that's all I give a shit about. <laughs> You. you're like one of the few you're like I have there's sprinkled in every every now and then I get like one or two tweets from people like does anyone even care where Bauer wants to go like everyone's just begging to you know what about where he wants to go and I just hope he's happy and I'm like you're so sweet yeah there are a couple there are a few you're, of us out you're there you're too sweet for Twitter yeah no that's that's probably actually like one of my other burner accounts if we're being honest just yeah. making sure Trevor's okay Wow. Cool, Mama. Well, I think we're good here. We had a, this was a lot of information. I always learn so much. Um, and we're just getting started in free agency. Actually, I have one more question. Do you think we're going to have a lot of late signings like a Bryce Harper Machado, maybe when spring training starts signing overall, not necessarily with Trevor, but overall? I think it's a good question because if players are, if players can be strong and hold out and know their worth and see the big picture in the end game here and, and the game that MLB is playing, then yes, I think so. I think there's a very good chance that we see a lot of early signings because you're, you're going to have one or there's going to be like two philosophies of it. It's going to be like, we're going to have to be probably really late for a lot of guys, or we're going to have to be really early because there's going to be the desperation aspect. And then the aspect of like, you know, I know the game and I believe like when it's all like comes down to it, somebody's going to pay up. And so like, I hope it's the, you know, the latter one where we wait and get what we're worth as players. Um, But I think you're going to scare a lot of players into early signings unfortunately I, I hope that's not the case yeah it'll be interesting and, and that's just good philosophy of life hold out know your worth and yeah. don't settle fan although they're the counter to that too is that sometimes you know you need to know when to jump on an offer and that's actually true too like there there are instances yeah. too where it's like it might not be the biggest paycheck starting out but like are, you know, like maybe it's putting you in a good environment where you can thrive down the road and there's going to be, you know, shitty, shitty paychecks anyways this year. So it's about the following year or, you know, whatever. But I, I think it depends on the situation you're in for as a player or just anyone in life. Like there are times when you should jump and you don't want to hold out, but there are other times where, you know, depending on your, what you got going for you, know your worth. Yeah. And especially, and I could see both ways, especially in a weird off season like this, where I could see a guy being like, Oh, well, I want to see what the outlook of spring training is going to look like, or I want to see like how the season's going to play out or getting like more information from that as, or a guy who's just like, it's going to be, we're, we, we can make one season happen. We can make another season happen. Fuck it. Let's go. So it's kind of like, I can see both sides of that, especially with a weird. Yeah. Season. Well, I mean, you'll have like guys too, who are just like, look, you know, if you don't have the best, the strongest case and you're like, you get that your salary is going to be somewhat uh, deflated anyways next year because of just the environment, because of, you know, maybe you didn't have the greatest season. It's like, take what you can get. It's not going to be, it doesn't matter, you know, like at this point, 
depending no matter where when you sign like it's not going to be what you normally would get anyways and so set yourself up on a team where you're happy whatever where you can you know put up great numbers for the following year and then go get your money so like there's going to be players like that and then there's going to be players that look like you know they're they know their worth they know that at the end of the day doesn't matter how you know shitty teams want to claim COVID is and how long they want to pretend like they don't know what's going to happen with the DH and what's going to happen with fans and all this stuff. Like they're just trying to scare everybody. Like just, all right, play chicken. Yeah. I like that. Interesting. Cool. Well, yeah, it's a lot of hurry up and wait, I guess. It's just, it's just like a weird off season. It's the easiest thing to, to say. And it's a lot of questions. So, but tonight was fun. I learned a lot. Cheers once again to you, Mama. And I hope you survive this crazy free agency. I'm already dying, but thank you. See, my, my, my job's like pretty, pretty much done for the most part, but I finally caught up on sleep like just the last two days because I, the regular season pretty much killed me. So I can, I can relax a little bit and have some time off coming up. Hell yeah, man. I'm going to get crazy. I'm jealous. Well, I'm just beginning my just brutal misery so not misery but chaos um so company so i'm here for you mama whatever you need love you you. all right well um cheers to that and happy free agency happy off season happy on season for me cheers